welcome to episode 84 of Export Audio. I am, as always, your host, Autumn Tune, rocking back and forth at a weird distance from the microphone. I would scoot toward the microphone, but I have cardboard under my chair, as you might hear in the outro this week. Uh, as always, I am joined by my wife, Mara Blake. You didn't record while I was doing that, so no, it won't be on the outro. No, no, no. But oh, me dunking on you for it is yes, in the end. Yes, the that is in the... I'm Nora Blake and Zoe Mars, and we've done eight decades of podcasts. It's incredible. <laughs> um, on today's episode, nothing. We have no plans. Yeah, we do. What are our plans? We have a fucking docket. We have a do- like, We have stuff to talk about. I'm just saying, there's no, there's no topic of the day. This isn't the war on our stars. This isn't newbie. The, the, Topic of the day is primarily welcome to the next level in 32x world, and uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. I think that's the big thing. But like, like yeah, all through December we did so many. Like we were doing newbie. We did the holiday special. Newbie is coming soon. I I bet. Yeah, we got it. Probably. We're we'll catch up because um, we'll catch we, up. We can't leave it on. Yeah. Russian hacker, deep flag, deep fake false flags shooting. Yeah. We have to keep going. We have to podcast. We have to. Well, you're shushing me silently. I'm not shushing you. And I don't you. know why. I'm not shushing you. I'm trying to hang on to my thoughts. I'm that, talking that with my, my hands. That is my boob? That's not your boob. Um, I'm. My hand is in the vague general. Now it's on your boob. <laughs> Which, because you placed your boob upon my hand. <laughs> you little rascal. Okay, You're wearing so my ring. I am wearing your ring. I need to get you a ring. I guess it's your ring. I, I gave, need, gave it to you. It's your ring. I need to get you a ring. Yeah, you do. You need to get your ring size. So. Yeah. True. I might go get a tattoo tomorrow. We, do, we discussed this. Not on the podcast? Yeah, I know. Maybe we do both. Maybe we get my ring size and you a tattoo. I should I should do I'm not a good very good artist but for whoever ends up doing my tattoo I should sketch out what I want because it might be like a thing they kind of get in words but if I just did a quick little sketch of what I want listeners who might not know what a tattoo I'm thinking of getting I'm probably gonna get for friends at the table um, uh, for my favorite episode which is the second to last episode of uh, Winter Hyron, and I believe it is called What Life Looks Like, but I don't know if that's true. Um, but it is... I'm, I'm gonna get the blade in the dark cracking open and, like, water bursting forth from it. Um, you could also, like, commission someone to do that art for you for your tattoo. I could. I don't... I used to know these sorts of things. I don't know anymore who to commission for art. I've never commissioned art before in my life. And I certainly, like, I don't know, I just don't know the good artists anymore. I certainly, I know there are lots of good Friends at the Table fan artists. I don't know them because I'm not in, like, the Friends at the Table community. And even if I did know them, I wouldn't know who's accepting requests right now. All my artist friends are constantly busy, so I I don't know how to help you there. If you're listening to this and you... You know, do art or know someone who does, hit us up, I guess. Yeah, send, feel free to send me recommendations. I may not get it tomorrow. I'm at the very least going to do a little sketch because 
both my tattoos, this one especially, were just... I Which went one? To, the, the lavender tattoo um, are just... I went to the artist and said what I wanted, and they drew it. <clears throat> so... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, the other one is just a star. So. Well, the other one is just, yeah, a black star. Um, so there wasn't, like, a lot of design so you, work involved in that. So you... When you get all of these tattoos on your arm, are you going to post a picture of all of them? Well, I think I'm just going to... So I just want to know if your short arm will be online. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, by the way, my favorite episode of Friends at the Table is, in fact... Episode 28 of Winter in Hyron, What Life Looks Like. It's good. Um, animal out of context, get fucked. Um, okay. It's a, Animal out of context is a very good episode. I just... the the I, I say this about a lot of stuff. The thing with animal out of context for me, and I know that you are not any more of the biggest Friends of the Table fan in the world because you've just kind of fallen off over the years, and so I won't continue subjecting you to talk about it. You can talk about the thing you like. It's fine. Okay, okay, okay. The thing... I was... I was posting in a Discord as I was listening through Counterweight for the first time, um, and when I got to Animal Out of Context, I posted, like... Because the episode before it is, like, really, really good, I think... And so I was posting about, oh my gosh, this episode's so good. And then someone replied, like, oh, so that means you have Animal Out of Context next. Um, well. That's the one with the time skip, right? The time skip? Were they on the ship for a month? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and someone told me, oh, I'm excited for you to listen to Animal Out of Context. Uh, your life is divided into two phases before you listen to Animal Out of Context and after you listen to Animal Out of Context. I mean, that is a line you can draw in the boundaries of your life, I suppose. And someone saying that to me made me instantly antagonistic toward listening to that episode. (laughs) It's a a good episode. Not my favorite counterweight, but like, it's it's good. It's a really good episode. I like the Ebex stuff right before it, and I like everything on September after it. Better than I like Animal Out of Context. I like Animal Out of Context a lot. September's very hard to follow. September is very hard to follow, but I do like it a lot. Yeah, I like the ending the best of Counterweight, I think. I found September very interesting, but also very difficult to actually materially follow. I mean, September, I feel like a lot of those ideas uh, end up becoming um, Twilight Mirage in a lot of ways. Guess what I didn't finish. Yeah, I guess the reason that you fell off the show is because you could not materially follow Twilight Mirage. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, on the other hand, think that Twilight Mirage is one of the best things that exists. Hyron ended, and I I got to the end of Hyron, and then Hyron kept going, and I was like, maybe I'll come back later, but I, I'm good. This, I'm, was a, this was an ending. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm about midway through the Quiet Year stuff, and I am really liking it. Um... But oh, the I, quiet year stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after after Spring and Hyron, like the heroes, like get to an ending. There's then a game of the quiet year, um, about building the new world together. Sure. And I am liking it. So I would far. rather that just be a season of 
actual play rather than like one game. But you know, you might you might be onto something there. Because you know, I'm always more interested in sequels and prequels and like being in the shadow of something than I am like the direct directly engaging with the thing. That's true. Like the thing that you would most want would be like a season of like ten years later. Here's like Blue Jay and 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 uh, Benjamin. 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 I kept wanting to say Edwin. <laughs> Different like, player. Even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Blue Jay and Benjamin. Like I feel Is like Edwin. One of the. No. No. Edwin is a Hitchcock. No, no, no. It's Edmund and Edward. Edward. Yes. Anyway. Edmund. Yeah. Like, I know that you would be really interested in the, like, ten years later game where yeah. they pick up do- new different characters. Um, or, or even, like, the next generation as a party would, despite being, like, an easy move and a very, like, Star Wars EU move would would still be interesting, you know? Like, and that never bothered me about, like, how the children of all the great heroes become the focal characters of Star Wars in the EU. Because, like, that's interesting to me. And dealing with those shadows is interesting. But, like, I understand why people prefer... It's, like, legitimately... new characters. It's, like, a legitimately, like, a thing that is established um, in the fiction of Spring and Hyron is that like Blue Jay is growing up to be the new ranger and um, Benjamin is growing up to be the new wizard and like and um, Adair has her kids yeah Adair and Hella have their kids right Um, (laughs) my mistake (laughs) Um, yeah it's just that's always been very interesting to me Um, my favorite part of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the beginning of Force Awakens through the frame where Han Solo walks on the screen because that intro is so good and makes a lot of promises that none of the movies really mm-hmm. live up to. Um, Last Jedi is a very good movie. I love that movie a lot. But that's because it is dealing with, like, the, being the sequel, being after Luke Skywalker, being, like, mm. what happens to those heroes afterward, and, like, having the rest of that movie after Hans comes into frame revolve around... Han. Han and Leia in a way that, like, yeah. denies the new characters their own progress and their own arcs. It was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it... I think that bringing back so many cast members from the original trilogy really, yeah. like, hampered what those movies could have been. Well, at least I didn't do something stupid, like, introduce a random new black character, uh who gets, like, three lines, and then at the end of Rise of Skywalker imply that Lando is her dad, and then confirm it in the visual dictionary. At least they didn't do something so horrible and racist as that. What if that, but also she only gets to speak to the other black members of the cast? Yeah, she only gets to speak to other black people, no one else. Um, First gay kiss in Star Wars. I cannot remember her name at all. Janna? Is that her name? No idea. It probably got said once. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm more likely to remember her stormtrooper name, her dead name, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, anyway. Uh, also, they made Poe Dameron a drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. 
the Star Wars is spreading into other podcasts. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker is just tainting all of our podcasts. I Okay. I have some Star Wars thoughts, but I want to pin down all the things I'm trying to say. Cuz I also okay. I also before we got on Friends of the Table talk, and I think I finished this sentence, but I don't remember. I'm partway through the Quiet Year game, and I'm enjoying it, but it hasn't hooked me. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to do, like, podcast administration scheduling <laughs> things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I... Okay. So a thing that has been hanging out in my brain is that we did that Rise of Skywalker cast, and we were probably the only people on the internet who had any warmth for that movie at all. Yeah. Uh, mostly me, not you, really. Uh-huh. And in the time since, I've gotten even more... Like, I have become more bitter about it than most people <laughs> do, are, I think. I think I'm now in this new weird position where I hate it more intensely than some people do. Um, but I don't know if we want to revisit Rise of Skywalker if we just want to, like... Mm-hmm, I don't know. It is bad and not because it's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It is a bad movie, but it's also just like people. Everyone involved is trying to blame other people for it. Yeah, they're the, trying the, the, to the, pin the blame on Kathleen Kennedy or on the writer uh, Carrie Fisher dying or on yeah. Uh, every, any, anyone but JJ Kelly. Kelly Marie Tran is just like not answering questions in interviews and stuff <laughs> like. Um, like Oscar Isaac is just like no I'm not I'm not working this. I'm not doing Star Wars again nope fuck cashing this. in my chips yeah John Boyega is on Twitter roasting Raylos mm-hmm. it's weird how bitter everyone is about this movie um, understandably so I think yeah. I don't think anybody comes out of this movie looking good Um, that one Zori. Act, yeah, I was gonna say that <laughs> that one actor who only showed her eyes in yeah. the movie. Uh, yeah, doesn't. Who, she's gonna like, Zori. Who? She's gonna be like a new fan favorite character, and that actor only showed her eyes. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if Disney deliberately tries to get you to latch onto characters and not the people who create and portray them. Um, mm-hmm. That is, it's almost as if that's a deliberate strategy. They would never recast these characters, would they? That's a great question. Do you think they would ever recast the people who will never... Like, will they recast Oscar Isaac? Certainly for, like, season two of Resistance, right? Like, certainly for, like, TV. Not even TV. For an animated show, I don't think they have any hesitance about recasting those people. The question is, are they going to recast... um, like, if Poe Dameron shows up in a, like, live-action TV show, mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac is not going to be on that screen. <clears throat> Do they have it in their contract that they can use CG to put Poe Dameron in things in the future? God. I hope not. That could be a thing that they do. That could be a thing that they do. That could be a new... Th- I don't know. Like, so nobody wants to... Nobody likes this movie. Nobody likes this movie. 
Nobody liked making them in this movie. I'm. I want to. Open. I w- want to open the jar of Autumn's further developed Rise of Skywalker takes in the weeks since then, but I also am putting podcast scheduling and Ghost in the Shell on the table as like, I know we have listeners who are maybe a little tired of the constant Star Wars talk. Yes. And so I want to put these two things on the table as like we can just pull the conversation ripcord and talk about something else as soon as as soon as we are able to. I don't want to spend a whole episode on Skywalker talk, but... Is that the episode title? Skywalker talk? I don't want to spend the entire episode on Skywalker talk. Um, Post in the shell. Post in the (laughs) shell? Um, Post in the hell. Me on Twitter.com. So, the thing that I'm... I went into the movie just trying to accept it on its terms and have fun, and I did have fun watching this bad thing. In hindsight, thinking about it, I feel a deep bitterness because the thing I realized as we were watching all the Star Wars movies leading up to this was that what I really want from every Star Wars movie is to open up new avenues of storytelling. Like, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are great movies, not just because they're great movies but because they open up the space that Clone Wars can exist in. Yeah. Like, Star Wars movies as a launching pad for other more specific media is very good. Right. It's, in a way, you can think of um, A New Hope as being, like, the springboard for Rogue One, you know, which is now, like, my favorite Star Wars movie. Also, you can look at any two Star Wars movies and launch something, like, based on them. Like, you get Rogue One from Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Right. Um, and, like... You, the, get, you put A New Hope and Empire, you get Splinter of the Mind's Eye. The thing that I don't like about um, Rise of Skywalker is that, like, there aren't any storytelling possibilities now. They they closed every single door. The movie starts with nothing of importance happening between the two movies. That's what it starts with, is nothing happened. Ray trained, the Resistance did missions that didn't add up to much. Kylo became Supreme Leader, but we kind of saw that happen in the last movie. There's not much to add other than he continues to do villainous things between movies. There's also a lot of people's like, like people saying that Ray lives on Tatooine now is like is that true? The I, movie didn't say that. I felt like the, the the one thing that is now open after the movie is that I I foresee her wandering the galaxy and becoming the the one thing I want is I don't want Jedi to be a knightly order. I want them to be a bunch of wandering wizards doing wizard shit. Yeah. And if I were going to write the next story after episode nine, that's what I would have Rey doing, is just wandering. But I would skip that and and get a protagonist who learned from Rey Mm -hmm. in the past, and then when they're asked about, like, oh, where'd you learn to do this? Then you can describe it. It's almost like I want... Something in the shadow of the, yes. of the protagonist, and like, yeah, anyway. So, 
Um, but like, so that's a door that's open, I guess. But that's not the. That's the only possibility, really, is that either she tries. Who to Who gets to write the first Ray book? I don't know. She she either gets to establish this new knightly order of Jedi that are going to protect the Republic, and or, then fall. Or, and fall, or she's going to establish, you know, now the Jedi are just, like, wandering sorcerers going from town to town doing good. And neither of those are, like, the most interesting stories in the world, and that's really kind of the only two doors that are open right now. And they kill Ben Solo, which, like, in hindsight makes me so mad because, like... We have done, Star Wars has done, the story of the villain who is redeemed and then immediately dies. We've done that story before. And, and like, then we've made it pointless because the Emperor survived anyway. Right. Yeah, that's also... I mean, it's not pointless, but... Yeah. It's never pointless because it has that impact on the characters and informs their actions leading off of that. But... In the grand scheme of things... The evil warlock just kept on living and apparently orchestrated everything in the shadows for 40 years or yes. whatever. Um, and so killing Ben Solo makes me feel really bitter because we could have... We've done the story where Vader is redeemed and then dies. We've done that story. We, You could have had a new story in Star Wars about a character who is redeemed and then lives. And, like, you keep talking about your idea for, like... Ben Solo goes on trial. Like, the New Republic establishes itself, and one of the first things it does is it puts Supreme Leader Kylo Ren on trial for his crimes, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is, like, really compelling. Like, and who's going to believe Rey when she tells them about the secret Sith cult yeah. that only she and Kylo directly saw? Right. People saw the ships, but, like, the Emperor mm -hmm. and all of his chanting followers, like... Nobody knows about that. Yeah. Nobody knows about the and like, Sith. Yeah, like, do, does the new does the new Galactic Republic place their face place their faith in like the words of this like cool lady who won them the war? But like, but did she? A lot of people didn't see her win the war. People saw Poe Dameron. People and saw Finn. Lando Calrissian. Yeah, that's who united the galaxy to to exercise their second amendment rights and go kill the president <laughs> with an impeachment <laughs> supreme supreme chancellor lando calrissian like i don't know i'm very interested in what government forms after the republic falls twice yeah in living memory mm -hmm. like i'm interested to see what what comes out of that? What does the new government look like? Is there s still any attempt at a galactic government? And like, and like, okay, so this leads into the next thing is, okay, Finn's story from here is that he's probably going to go learn the use the force. That's cool, I guess. What's Poe's story after this? He's he's become, he's reached his goal. He's become general of the resistance. Is he now going to go on to be the general of the, the new Galactic Republic's standing army? Is that the thing he's going to do? Or is he going to have to find a not-military job? And, like, the thing is that I kind of don't have any faith in... I don't have any faith in Disney. If this was George in charge, I would be like, okay, <laughs> whatever. But I'm pretty sure Disney is just going to be like... And then they established a new Galactic Republic, and 
I imagine that New Galactic Republic will have a standing army, which was not true for a thousand years in the Republic. Let me correct you. A thousand generations. A thousand generations. The Republic did not have a standing army. But I imagine they will just establish a new Republic, and they will decide that General Poe Dameron is a thing that fans will want to hear, and so they'll just make him the general of the army without really thinking about what that means politically. And I would trust George to, like, say something about how, oh, yes, there's a new Republic, and their solution to fascism is that they're going to have an army now. Uh Mm Mm-hmm. But, like... Disney is just going to return to the status quo of the prequels. Like, Disney is probably just going to return to, and then peace reign in the galaxy for a thousand generations or something. Mm -hmm. You know? Who knows? I will simply write my fanfic in peace. Yeah. So yeah, all, all the major characters I like don't really have storytelling possibilities, except for like, a comic series about Poe being a spice runner. And a comic series about Finn learning to use the Force. I don't know what to tell you. Also, Rose starts the movie by saying, Hey, I have to go read a book. I can't be in this movie. Sucks ass. Oscar starts that movie by saying, Somehow the Emperor is back. (laughs) The movie... Okay, one last Star Wars thought. Which it's is just, me, I'm the Star Wars thought. Just something I thought of yesterday. The movie starts with um, uh, Ray and Poe having a big argument about, like, you're just here training and you're not helping us out in the field and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she says, I need to be here training. I need to be here getting ready for Kylo Ren. And because that is such a huge... I need con- to get ready to face Kylo Ren, the person I've beat in every encounter we've ever had. <laughs> um, and, and, and because they have this big argument, um, at the start of the movie, it, it creates drama and tension between the two protagonists, which is just an interesting thing to put in your story, is when the two characters that you relate to and like have They just conflict. want different things. when they want different things and have conflict Mm -hmm. and the movie then just and then Ray just does what Poe wants Ray just goes out in the field and doesn't stay home training Um, and it's just like annoying it's a thing I thought about yesterday Ghost in the Shell or Podcasts Podcasts? Podcasts? Podcasts Okay Um, Newbie took a little bit of a break because of the holidays it will be back very soon we're probably going to start doing episodes in twos to catch up um, something like yeah. that. We haven't we, talked. To we Curly all, about I always it. wanted to do a weekly thing with Ruby, and then it was the well, worst season. It's that's the not the worst season. It's just the most tiring show to podcast about weekly, and also it just ate our feed, and we weren't doing export. Yeah, and the other thing about the other thing about Ruby is that it does just come out at a very difficult time of year to keep up a weekly podcast, like. It just comes out so the middle of the season is on Christmas, and, like, there's just nothing... Like, we simply can't do podcasts. Mm -hmm. We certainly can't ask Curly, hey, stop talking to your family for two hours and come do a podcast with us. Like, I watched Volume 1 again recently. Mm -hmm. That's 90 minutes. 
doing it one season at a time is really the best way. Yeah. So, newbie will come back. We'll we'll talk to Curly sometime this this week about um, when we want to do that and how many episodes we want to cover. He'll be back soon. We're not too worried about that. Titans. We have a Titans podcast, which I legitimately forgot about for about a month. Because this is the thing, is that Newbie ate up the feed. And there's just not space to do two weekly mm-hmm. podcasts yeah. in my busy schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So I just legitimately forgot we do a Teen Titans podcast. We'll get back to that very, as soon as we can manage. I yeah. have it on We're not list. dropping Teen Titans. We're not dropping Teen Titans. It's just slow going. We always knew it would be slow going. We knew that our limits as a podcast as podcasters. Yeah. The, like this is Hell or High Water, I want to just finish a podcast, watch yes. a show to the end. Yes. Like we're gonna do this. <clears throat> we have stuff to to do after this that we're mm-hmm. in that feed, maybe mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Um we're just we're gonna get through it. Listeners know what export is and what how we schedule things which is when yeah. we have the energy to do it which means that we will never be big and famous and popular unfortunately but here's the thing is that if spotify if spotify pays me an amount of money to do a sailor moon podcast that sailor moon podcast will come out every <laughs> single monday hell or high water that's the life my my if if Spotify pays me, the podcast will come out. But well, Spotify is not going to pay us shit for shit. Spotify is not paying me. Starbucks is paying me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that is the thing that takes precedent. Um. But speaking of podcasts that stay on schedule, really the the reason that I keep thinking about writing Star Wars fanfic is because of learning about that book over there that we were talking about. That's like Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I want to read it. It seems neat. Listeners, um, we're talking about a book called Carry On, which um, I'm going to give a caveat that I think Rainbow Rowell, Roll, I'm going to say Rainbow Roll because that sounds better in my mouth a little bit, um, is kind of like um, still with her just like, Oh, for sure. This person wrote Harry Potter fanfic, so like... Right, exactly. Um, That's not what what I'm interested in. She's not, like, the best writer ever, but I read this book that she did called Carry On, which is about Simon Snow, and it is blatantly, obviously, Harry Potter fanfiction. And she just changed all the names, filed off the serial numbers, and got it published by a real publisher. This is what I want to do. Um, I want to have, in the aftermath of Rise of Skywalker, I want to have, like, some guy from, maybe, like, Alderaan or something show up and be like, Okay, well, Republic didn't work, fascism didn't work, why don't we get a king? (laughs) Have you heard about monarchy? (laughs) You're gonna have a guy do the, uh, fucking... The the Meitzer speech. Meitzer. Yeah, Meitzerona. <laughs> um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Meitzerona. <laughs> ooh, um, the posts. The posters is flying tonight. <laughs> but but I, I, I should say this thing about Carry On, which is that I don't think she's the best writer in the world, but I did read that book and it made me figure out that I was bisexual because uh, the, the Harry insert and the Draco insert just fuck in that book. 
Oh, hell yeah. I'm down for that. And it's good. It's very good. Uh, and there's a sequel out um, that I haven't read. The first book didn't really need a sequel, but there's enough there that I'm like, okay, I'll read a sequel, sure. Um, it was like, it's, I guess it's a thing where like the first book came out and it had a profound impact on my life. And then in time, I'm just like, if I had read that now, I would think it's like a three, three out of five book. It's a good book. Sure. It's not a bad book. I want to read it out of curiosity yeah. and like because it's a thing I want to do. I've read it twice. <laughs> I have read it twice. Mm -hmm. I would be willing to read it a third time. It's a very readable book. Um, uh, so I think this time next week I will be recording um, the next episode of And Then an Aeroplane, which is about um, going to be about Ocean Waves, the Ghibli TV movie. Um, I'm excited about that. I don't know what Ocean Waves is at all. It's not Miyazaki or Takahata, so we'll see what that is. Um, and then I'm going to sort of announce something, but I want everybody to remember... I want everyone to remember how infrequently ti Teen Titans has come out. I just want you all... Or ti Time to Go Titans has come out. Mm -hmm. I want you all to remember that, like, scheduling is a challenging thing for me. <clears throat> yes. But here, uh, my friend Karevi and I, I have wanted for probably... A year? Probably a year to do a Utena podcast. I'm going to have to figure out how to say Utena before um, we do that show. Mm -hmm. But for probably a year, I've wanted to do a Revolutionary Girl uh, Utena podcast. And um, have ju it's just never been able to come together for a dozen different reasons. Principally, like... I don't know other people who, like, know the show that well, you know? Like, I know a couple people who like it. There's just been no one who, like... You have to have be, a certain chemistry. You have to have a certain chemistry. Yeah, that's it. So um, podcast with Autumn. <laughs> so Karevi and I are finally going to get that off the ground. And I, the thing we talked about is that uh, Aeroplane records every three weeks on Wednesdays. And just recording on the Wednesdays that Aeroplane doesn't record. So just, like, we'll do two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off. Two episodes of Utena. It's going to be 20 episodes because there are 39 episodes of Utena and a movie. Uh, and we'll just do... Yeah. Hmm. It'll be, cool. What's it called? Uh, Absolute Destiny Apocalypse. Is that a reference? Uh... Uh, uh, it is a reference to the song that plays in the show every time they're about to go do a duel. Uh, mm. Zetai Unme Mokushiroku. Um, cool. I don't have a podcast to announce. Zetai, Zetai Unme Mokushi Podku. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, the only podcast I have to talk about is The War on Our Stars, which is my, you know, dream podcast where I just talk about Star Wars all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someday. I mean, that'll be the book club that we do, which we're still yes. planning on doing. Yes. But beyond just the book club episodes, I don't oh. know what that is. Oh. That was the other last thing I wanted to talk about was Star Wars Book Club. You still have to finish Splinter of the Mind's Eye. We have to just climb... The hill yes. that is Alan Dean Foster. We have to mount Alan Dean Foster, and once we have accomplished this... Okay. 
So like the next one is the next one is Thrawn, basically, right? So I'm gonna open up this list of uh, Star Wars novels by release date on air, and we're gonna talk about this because we've talked about this, but we haven't set a firm plan. And I would like to set a firm plan. So after Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which we are going to podcast about, yes, we soon. have missed our deadline we've a couple times. I have, it's just such a bad book that you I are I have struggling. missed our deadline because I'm depressed and it's hard to read things that aren't poetry right now. It's also a terrible book. It's also a terrible book. Alan, if I have to wonder whether you're describing an alien or being racist, you've done a bad job. Do you want a just do a Splinter of the Mind's Eye podcast where I tell you about the rest of the book? No. Okay. Okay. So after we do Splinter... <laughs> The next Star Wars books that come out are a trilogy of Han Solo books mm -hmm. um, at Star's End, Revenge, and The Lost Legacy. They don't have audiobooks, so I just don't think that I can cover them. I don't think that I can cover stuff that doesn't have an audiobook. That's fair. When we get deeper in and like maybe there's a new Jedi Order book that doesn't have an audiobook, that is something where I will do my best to overcome this. Yes. But for three largely forgotten Han Solo books I'm not I'm not going to bother if people want we can like discuss them anyway by reading the synopsis but we don't yeah like to to in order to like get this project done we have to cut at some point we have yes. to we have to like keep keep ourselves keep our energy up and yes. to do that we're going to briefly talk about like the radio dramas and the novelizations of the original trilogy, and then we're just going to go to Thrawn. Yes, because after that, after the Han Solo trilogy is um, a Lando trilogy. Once again, does not have audiobooks, so I just can't cover them. Um, and then, then from there, so there's the audio dramas of the original trilogy and the novelizations of the original trilogy. Did we want to just talk about? All the audio dramas is one episode, and all the novelizations is one episode. Because I don't think on either thing we have to really go deep in depth. Like, yeah. I think that's just like... I picked up the uh, physical hardback of the Return of the Jedi novelization recently just to like poke through it. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to poke through it at certain scenes and like see what it's like, but like I'm not interested in necessarily reading the whole thing. We could also just not do episodes about the audio dramas, not do episodes about the novelizations, and just go, I think maybe the best thing for the podcast, the thing that is most exciting to us, is to go from Splinter of the Mind's Eye and just go straight to Heir to the Empire. Do we yeah, want to do that? That sounds great. So as soon as you finish um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye... Um, I we'll can't just, wait to get to the Star Wars trilogy about race science. We're just going to start... Which one? There are a couple. <laughs> yeah, uh, as soon as you finish Splinter in the Wide Eye and we get that episode in the bag, we will just move on to Heir to the Empire yeah. and start the Thrawn trilogy. Just begin in earnest. I want to read every Star Wars book, but it's hard yes. to do that. And maybe I read extra ones in the background, but that doesn't seem likely. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, you know, if it weren't several, multiple states away and also I d didn't want to go back in there, I could get a lot of Star Wars books from my old house, mm -hmm. but I don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, or drive there. Yeah. 
Um, so I think that's all the podcast business done. Um, I think I have nothing to say about podcasts today. Okay. But you, I'll, you'll, I'll make podcasts soon. We're at 40 minutes. Oh, I can, I can talk about Coward Hour. Yeah, talk about Coward Hour. Uh, nothing's changing. We're just, we're going to watch Resident Evil, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, Jackson's going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're at 40 minutes in. Let's talk about the thing that we really came here to say today. Ghost in the Shell's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> it's a bad movie. I want to watch the new one and see if it's any better. Um. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the new if we watched the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell and liked it better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, what a gift that would be! Oh, uh, as a as a prologue to talking about Ghost in the Shell, we're starting to keep a spreadsheet of all the like media engage we engage with, uh, you know, shows, movies, books, etc. And so. We have Ghost in the Shell here on the spreadsheet, and then I have, like, two other, maybe three other things on the spreadsheet that I just want to, like, give a shout-out to, but let's talk about Ghost in the Shell for a little bit. The movie's really bad. Movie's very bad. Um, I don't even think it's as beautiful as you do. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we will get the praise out of the way. I, 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 I came here to, to bury, uh... Ghost in the Shell, not... I love Akira, Um, is what I have to say about Ghost in the Shell. I fucking love Akira. (laughs) It's the best. It's Um, just really good. It's so fucking good. Okay. So Ghost in the Shell... That guy gets shot with a gun. He does. They shoot those dogs. He shoots those dogs, and that blood is so vibrant. That teddy bear. Oh, the teddy bear made of other smaller toys and also children. Okay, so Ghost in the Shell. Visually, one of the most beautiful anime movies I've ever laid my eyes on. Disagree, but whatever. I think it is... I watched 17 Ghibli movies this year. Nothing can phase me. Ghost in the Shell doesn't (laughs) fucking... Is not a blip on that radar. That's true. That's true. Like, come on. We're going to get to Spirited Away. And that's going to be like an okay movie, but look pretty good. Spirited Away is great. Spirit Away is a great movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> None of them will be as good as Cagliostro. <laughs> none of them will be as good as Nausicaa. Totoro. Uh, none of, no movie is as good as Only Yesterday, and it's fucked my entire <laughs> life up. I like legitimately only, don't enjoy other things as much oh, since seeing Only, only yesterday. yesterday. is at the very center of my Ghibli list right now, and it's still one of the best movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Um So but but the 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 moment that I turned on Ghost in the Shell is the boat scene. <laughs> the moment that I was like this is horse shit <laughs> is because because she she looks into the camera and just starts telling you everything the movie's about and there has been no drama there's an action scene but there's no drama there are barely characters 
There are a couple people hanging around to exposit and tell you themes, except no one's doing exposition or world building. They're expositing, but they're not doing the thing I want to. But I want to know what a ghost is. But also, they're not telling you two different things at each other. Yeah, no one disagrees with each other in this movie. No one... The the, the villain... Villain? The, there is a, a person they are trying to stop in the movie, but I don't know... It's just... Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It's just... It's just people telling each other what themes are. And the thing that really the thing that really soured me on the boat scene is that okay. So she just tells you everything that the movie is about. She just stares into the camera and says, This is what the movie is about. Don't you love that? But there's no I do when there is character <laughs> drama and tension <laughs> and relationships that back those things up. You have to you have to have like a plot that's happening that supports themes, not just themes presented in a vacuum. Just here mm-hmm. are themes for you. Here, here are themes. Well, the plot is that this is a an entity that was self-formed and like, oh, what if technology can have a soul? That's not a plot. That's a theme. <laughs> no, but like it happens. It does. And then they have to like acknowledge that an entity has done this and like formed itself and become sapient and and so then you do this whole boat scene and then someone someone speaks from some ghostly plane and tells you half of a bible verse um which is a really good which is a really good verse mm-hmm. um and uh then after you hear the bible verse the movie takes a five-minute pause to just show you, like, rain and people walking and street signs. And it's, it's literally, someone stares at the camera, tells you what the movie is, and then the movie's like, wow, that's so deep. We're just going to give you five minutes to think on that. And it just plays a very gorgeous song and shows you some gorgeous anime, like, like future, like places and it's like blade runner does that shit too but the places themselves are communicating things about the world Uh, and and when blade runner's doing it it's because it's communicating something about the world that is then going to feed into the narrative i don't like blade runner and i would rather watch blade runner than ghost in the shell 1995 ghost in the shell is doing like let's just show you scenery let's just show you like setting because it was like, wow, damn, that was so deep. I'm going to give you a minute to just <laughs> ponder on that. I'm just going to give you a minute to sit with that and really, really chew on it. Like, damn, way to go, me. And just like, fuck off. <laughs> and then it does that again. <laughs> it does it a second time. Because there's the big scene with the the androgynous robot cyber thing in in the laboratory and it escapes and you, it's silent as they like the helicopter flies over the city and the police set up their raid and it's just like or it's not silent it's just playing a music and like it's doing it again it pulls the same trick of like wow that was so deep i'm just gonna give you some time to think on that bro it does it twice in one movie an 82 minute movie <laughs> <laughs> i really want to read the manga this is the thing is that 
the movie now, is a little bit better background before we do this is that you have been watching other stuff by this director. I have been watching Pad Labor Early Days. Um, Which is why we wanted to watch this movie is yes. because it is in the same the same like sort of zone as some stuff that you've been watching, some stuff our friends have been watching. Um, which so, seems like some of those other things have the same problems. Yes. So I was watching Pat Lieber Early Days, which is a show I like, but is, I think, incredibly uneven. It's seven episodes, and I think I like four and actively dislike three of them. I'd have to look at the list to like tell you which ones they are. I have a deep warmth for the characters, but the like plots are not always there, and it's... um. The thing with Pat Lieber early days is that, like, it can't decide if it's a serious show or a comedy show. Um, and if it, was, if it was more tonally consistent, I would... If it had a specific identity, I would like it more. Um, mm -hmm. And so, from hearing my, my friends start watching the three Pat Lieber movies that uh, Oshi did, uh, the same director as Ghost in the Shell... Um, and it sounds Mamoru, like Mamoru Oshii, Mamoru I believe, Oshii. I believe is it, uh, his name. Um, I couldn't remember the last sound. It sounds like the, it sounds like the first Pat Labor movie is more of like the Pat Labor stuff that I like, and it sounds like Pat Labor Two, the movie. Um, it, I believe that's the title is Pat Labor Two, the movie, which is hilarious. Um, is Pat Labor Two, the polls? It it sounds like. They largely have dispensed with all the characters you feel emotions for. Like, Noah Izumi is only in one scene in the first hour. Then why would I watch this movie? That's what I'm saying. And it's just people standing around explaining the war economy to you and explaining the military-industrial complex over, like, PowerPoints. And it sounds like it's got the same fucking problems that Ghost in the Shell does. And Ghost in the Shell came out, like, was his next movie after Pat Labor 2. So, it sounds like maybe there's just, like, a, a shift in his work as time goes on that I hate. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, but I do want to read that manga, because, like, clearly yes. there is a good structure. There's a skeleton here that is interesting to a, a shell. lot of... Ooh. There's, there's a, a ghost of an idea. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's, a, there's a basis of this, this movie that is more interesting than the movie itself. And is, that is a feeling that I also get when watching... Akira and Nausicaa. Yes. Which that's why these three are on my like to read list in the next year is I would love to get more familiar with what the original vision of these things are. Yeah, I feel like Ghost in the Shell 1995 is a pretty bad movie, I think. I really did not like that movie at all. Mhm. Mm but but that franchise is huge. Like it didn't it's very popular. It didn't shake my faith in the franchise exactly. Exactly. I'm I'm really interested in the manga. I'm really interested in standalone complex. I'm really interested in um, the story you tell when you have to spend more time there. Because mm -hmm. it feels like it feels like the movie ditches all. It feels like the movie ditches everything just there to are, tell you what it's about. There are multiple scenes where there's just music and it's just imagery, but then like the first five minutes are so jam-packed uh -huh. with dialogue and exposition and some world-building and, like, just everything being thrown at you so fast that, like, 
They revealed that that guy's wife is not real and then just move on. Yeah. And, like, I what I want is, like, an episode or two of a TV show about that guy. Yes. yes. You know? Um, exactly. I Look, I am very interested in works that deal in themes around bodies and identities and, like the fluidity of those concepts and the plurality of those concepts, but this movie is not interesting to me. And here's the other other thing, is that here are some other things that I am a fan of. I'm a fan of Blade Runner, which does a lot of this stuff. I I felt like Blade Runner was a little shallow, so I went and read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and, like, got more of this stuff. Now you love Blade Runner. Now I love Blade Runner. Uh, I can't the, join you in that, but, you know. Yeah. Um, Nier Automata, which I really, like, had a profound impact on me at the time, and now I think Nier Automata is shallow at best. <laughs> um, hey, guess what? I also couldn't materially follow the events of Nier Automata, and that is why I have a, a dislike for it, just the same as I had for the uh, the stuff we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah, like, um... Nier Automata, like, tackles a lot of these ideas in, in a way that was profound for me when that game came out. Um, sure. 2016? 2017? 2017. 2017. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2 is... Ooh. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Some might call it the second best Metal Gear. It's all over this movie. It, Metal Gear Solid 2 is, like... Is just Kojima trying to make like, this movie. Snake and, is wearing that vest. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Snake is wearing the same vest that fucking uh, the Major is wearing in that movie. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and there was one other thing. There was one other Akira, which is like the cyberpunk anime. It's not cyberpunk, but it's like this sci-fi... Is it cyberpunk? I guess not. It's, I don't know. I don't know. It kind of is? I, I was thinking a lot about Akira... Um, I was thinking a lot about Akira, because Akira's great. It's fucking good. I don't know. It's like... It's uh, one of my favorite movies. It's in, it, it should be, may or may not currently be listed on my letterbox as my one of my favorite movies. I think I only have Star Wars and Gundam F91 on that list currently. And the thing we were... So we watched, um, almost to the day, we watched um, Akira one year ago. <laughs> um, we watched. We watched, we watched on New Akira, Year's Eve last year, right? Yeah, we watched it like 366 days ago, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we watched it, I was just like utterly floored by it. it. It just like instantly became one of my favorite movies ever. And in the time since then, I was like, maybe I've overhyped this because I'd had a I'd had a couple drinks, and I was with Nora for the first time ever, and. <laughs> Like, the thing that I got worried about in the time between, like, seeing it then and now Mm -hmm. uh, is just that, like, um, it felt like, it felt like, I guess, there's a lot of symbols. You you were, you tweeted that it was a lot of sound and fury amounting to nothing at one point. Signifying nothing. Signifying nothing. Signifying nothing. Get your Shakespeare right. Get your Shakespeare right. Mm. Oh, speaking of getting your Shakespeare right, I also have to complain about Ghost in the Shell not really getting the Bible verse it's throwing around. Um, sure. Um, uh, uh, the 
because there's a lot of symbols and there's all this stuff about the evolution of humanity into the next stages um, and nuclear disaster. And it felt like it wasn't adding up to anything. And the thing I, after we watched Ghost in the Shell, I just needed something good in my veins. So we watched the first 30 <laughs> minutes of Akira until I got sleepy. Which happened exactly on cue. You said 30 yeah, minutes, I we made it 28 minutes. minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's just so good. And I, I actually think all that stuff adds up to, like, you know, um, it maybe isn't especially deep, but, like, um, in the movie. In the movie, like, humanity being born again into something new through violence and who, like, the state is the, like, you know, perfect engine of violence that humanity, like, humanity has evolved toward the creation of the state, which, like, does violence in, like, with such efficiency and, um, systematizes violence, you know, um, and makes violence okay, and, like, the thing that has to come next for humanity is the realization that, like, is this realization of how awful the state is and trying to transcend into something beyond what the state can, like, individuals, like, trying to reach a, uh, see, I can't quite get there, but Mm -hmm. it's because, it's because... I need to just watch Akira again and probably read the manga. I feel like I also like don't know how much, at least in what the creators' intentions are, like how much they intended to be the state. Like I don't think Akira is Marxist. I think I'm just bringing Marxism to Akira. But I Which think it's always a good thing to do. To something. I, I think Akira has the space for that Marxism. Yeah. Like I think it, there is the space for that in Akira, and I think it is. Like, letting me finally wrap my head around that movie. Um, On the other hand, uh, we have Ghost in the Shell, which um, is bookmarked by a Bible verse, um, except it's using the Bible verse to be like, we've reached this new stage of... um, We've reached this new stage of life, of evolution, um, and, like, we used to see things through a mirror dimly, now we shall see each other face to face, um, and by accepting new forms of consciousness, uh, we are now, like, seeing each other as we truly are. It's not what the verse is about, um, which makes, makes it feel like... Um, it just makes it feel like, oh, she heard those words and thought they were kind of cool words (laughs) and put them into the script. But, like, biblical scholarship is a centuries-old tradition, and, like, I don't know, East of Eden is a book that had a profound impact on me at one point in my life, which is literally just 600 pages of a couple people sitting around talking about um, the story of Cain and Abel mm-hmm. um, and of, Ad- of Adam and Eve. And, like, that's just... it's it, it, Biblical scholarship is a thing I'm really interested in. And if, you, if I was going to rewrite Ghost in the Shell, I would have the villain... I would introduce a villain into this. <laughs> I would make the state the villain. I would make the state yeah. the villain... And they would try to suppress 
um, this new being and try to control it um, and deny it uh, personhood and humanity and which they is would, what they're doing in the movie but, already but it doesn't really come across in a lot of ways it's like well, they want to shoot it in the head they want to shoot it in the head but like there's no ideological no one says here's the reason we should shoot it in the head they just decide to shoot it in the head which is what the state does to be fair but mm-hmm. um, I want a villain to, to say like to like use half of that verse um, in some menacing way and then I want the hero at the end of the movie to like give the full context of the verse and like um, and uh, I totally lost my train of thought because we had to stop recording for five minutes but yeah I just wish the movie was better no that's I, I wish every movie was better I wish the movie was better. I wish... Oh, 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 this was the thing I was going to say, was that, like, the the verse is not about, like... Evolution? Evolution and change. It's about, like... the As you come closer to Christ, like... Uh, things that you... Like, the love of Christ, like, and... Things that you once dimly understood, like, you will see see clearly and we will under people will understand each other and it is i'm not revelation saying, not evolution yes i'm not saying that ghost in the shell be should be about um <laughs> developing a faith in jesus christ but i am saying but it would be interesting i am saying that like i would watch an anime about an android who became self-aware and started going to church that would be, that would be i would watch that yeah um what I am saying is that it should be, like, about... I guess I guess the ending makes it about an understanding of oneself. And um, the verse is about an understanding of uh, other people, you know? Um, we saw each other through a mirror dimly, and now we see each other face to face. And... and the the movie makes it about seeing yourself face to face and the verse is about seeing each other and there aren't other people in this movie there's no one in this movie no one's a character in this movie no one has desires or needs or drama (laughs) i don't know i i had this reaction a year ago when i watched or two years ago when i watched this movie on my own and i was just like I was kind of disappointed. They kind of just, like, said the thing that the movie's about in a way that, like, I've already seen explored in other things more interestingly. Uh, I don't know why people love this movie so much. Yeah, I... At least my impression has always been that people like this movie, but I don't think any of our friends love it. Yeah, that was the other thing is that I was worried, because I posted about how I didn't at least on my locked Twitter, I don't know if I posted on Main about it yet, uh, about not liking the movie, and I was worried I would get pushed back, and no one's pushed back. So I thought people liked this movie. If you like this movie, please feel free to email us at exportaudiopodcast.gmail.com and tell us what you see in the movie, because I would love to have, like, a positive perspective on the movie. I would, we... love, to under, I would love to just know 
what it is that people find so endearing about this movie. If you want to really go to hell, we could go look up some American movie reviews from 1995. God. <laughs> I saw that tweet that one time about, like, excerpts from anime re- movie reviews the year after Spirited Away came out in the in the States, where everyone was like, well, it's no Spirited Away, but... <laughs> Because Americans only have one fucking lens to view anime from, and it's whatever movie they've seen, because they, Americans only see one anime movie. <laughs> yeah. This also, um, if you'll, um, if you'll, oh, words, 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 right. Reviews being bad. American film critics having being idiots, uh, being idiots. Um, if you allow me, my friends, if you'd allow me to just briefly touch on discourse from uh, nineteen seventy eight, I believe. Ooh. Um, so I watched yesterday on a whim before we watched Ghost in the Shell. I was like, I want to watch a movie with um, without wife. No, you were invited, but I wanted to watch a movie that was not anime. And you didn't seem terribly interested you in that. You said you wanted to watch a normal movie. Yes, I did say that. Um, by which what you actually meant was not genre fiction. Yes, yes. I wanted to just watch like a movie about a person. Um, which I'm always down for. But but I watched I watched a movie. Uh, it was a Werner Herzog movie, I believe, from 1978. I might be off by, like give or take, two years. It's definitely in the 70s. Um called Stroshek. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's I also can't spell it right consistently. Um, but it's Stroshek, uh, which is billed as it's it's known as uh, Werner Herzog doing comedy. Um, and so I watched it. I didn't really know much about it. I figured, oh, this is Herzog's comedy. It's probably going to be like pretty dry and maybe some absurdism. I didn't go in. I didn't go in with a lot of expectations. Um, it's one of the most heartbreaking movies I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it felt absolutely soul-crushing. <laughs> um, and You literally, like, came to me and, like, held me and cried and kissed me a bunch. Yes. Uh, it is just... Um, for anyone who has not seen the movie, it, 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 which is, I imagine, a lot of people... Uh, which is why I'm not going to spend the... It's not a, not a big fandom for this one? Not a big fandom for Stroshek. <laughs> um, this, uh, this guy, Bruno, um, grew up in, like, the foster home system in Nazi Germany. Um, and, like, kind of, like, has spent his life, like, very much at the margins of society. Uh, we open the movie with him coming out of jail, which just feels like the latest foster home that he was in, you know? Um, and all Bruno really wants to do is play his accordion and his piano. Um, mm-hmm. That's really all he wants to do. And it is 90 minutes of him just bumping up against, like, society will hate you for wanting to do that. So, like, you must be a useful person, you know? You, uh, wanting to play the accordion is not a useful desire for a person to have. 
And so society will just break anyone who does not want to, like, who is not interested in being useful. And he's not, Bruno is not a rebellious person. He just, he's not, like, interested in or equipped for, like, doing doing anything that he doesn't really want to do. And the only thing he really likes doing is, like, drinking and like playing music you know mm-hmm. and he is just a beautiful person in this way and is like um germany is really difficult for him so he immigrates to america and like he does this whole big monologue about how you know in germany um the place he was living he was like um being beaten like physically by like uh some people who lived in his neighborhood who were just like vile people and we're just one of them is a pimp played by Werner Herzog walking around in a fake fur coat which and with dyed blonde long hair it's amazing it's it's fucking incredible yeah uh Werner would later uh reprise this role for the Mandalorian <laughs> god um, that would be great that would be great if he was just a I can't pimp. imagine Herzog with hair it's wild hair zog hmm um and like in America, he has escaped these people who are, like, coming to his home and beating him, but instead he's just dealing with the bank, you know? And, like, he gets foreclosed on, and he ends up in a lot of debt, and he's he says, it's like, no one kicks me visibly anymore, but I'm still getting kicked and beat, uh, and this almost hurts more, in a way. And so it's just about a, a, a person living in the margins of society and just getting utterly ground down, and the only, there are funny moments. There are moments where I laughed my ass off. It's not a comedy. And those moments are like every 20 minutes, there's like some levity, you know? I, I, was, I was in bed uh, reading poetry. Mm-hmm. And I heard you through the vents because mm-hmm. you were in the basement. You shouted, No! And I don't know whether you were laughing or not at that point. I was probably laughing. But you were reacting audibly in a way that you never do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is funny stuff that I laughed at, but... It's just not the kind of thigh slapper that you get out of something like Seventh Seal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it's just... I read a bunch of reviews of this movie... I haven't read a bunch. What I read was um, the critical reception section on the Wikipedia page and a handful of letterbox reviews. Which is always good to read. Always good. Mm-hmm. I would like to... I, I was mentioning to a friend that I wanted to be better at film criticism, and they specifically said, don't read letterbox reviews, because <laughs> it's just people. Yeah. Just galaxy-braining forever. Um, And the critics are just like... One critic was saying something like, um, well, a door here next to the podcast. I don't know what's in that door. I don't know what's behind that door either. I didn't notice that door till last week. You know, that's the plot of the pilot episode of Matt Smith's Doctor Who run. That's also the plot of Kingdom Hearts. Um, anyway, um, um, like, the fuck was I saying? Oh yeah, one review, one review was like, oh, well... There's just a lot of movies about how, like, poor people have it rough and 
Herzog's not really doing anything new here, and it's like, you don't have to do anything new. It's a movie about being how being poor is terrible. Like that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Like the villain of the movie is the bank and this guy from the bank who keeps coming and accosting Bruno and like um like film like I was reading like this critical reception and these letterbox reviews that were just like to to me the movie is about like making the viewer like class conscious like it is just a very explicitly like mm-hmm. banks are terrible and will destroy people and will destroy lives and like you know yeah should be should be burned to the ground these are vile humans who are doing vile awful violence um and like banks are mentioned in the same monologue where uh like bruno talks about how much he hates the banks in the same monologue where he talks about like living in foster homes run by the nazis <laughs> mm-hmm. um and uh, just none of the movie none of the reviews i was reading talked about this at all and it's maddening people people either just think it's funny because people are poor think it's boring because it's not as funny as advertised or are like wow that's just like a really like it's so deep because he's sad and but like don't extrapolate like the dancing chicken we are all the dancing chicken yeah 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 there's a dancing chicken at the end of the movie that is like a very obvious metaphor for like how we are all just like paid to perform and if you can't be paid to perform then you're going to like die and like whatever the dancing chicken is a really nice little metaphor that caps off the end of the movie and there are a lot of movies that are there are a lot of reviews that are just like wow damn that chicken was so profound i have identified the presence of a metaphor and i don't have to really extrapolate out what that metaphor is saying i just that's a metaphor the chicken dancing mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like ah! so that's that's my review of Strushek. uh i think everybody should watch i think every person on the planet earth should watch Strushek. it is I'll get to it soon. It has really deeply moved me. Um, before this, it, my favorite was Nosferatu, which is not a movie. Your favorite Herzog? Yeah, my favorite Herzog was Nosferatu, which is not a movie I think everybody should watch. I Nosferatu like was a very difficult movie for me to watch. It like is a two-hour movie that I think ended up taking three and a half hours for me because I was like, oh, this is so boring right now i'm gonna go pause it and drink a sprite and come back um i've only done that with one movie um which is krampus <laughs> <laughs> which is billed as a horror comedy nos nosferatu i just did faces that's yeah that's what i did that's what the quiet happened yeah nosferatu is a profoundly boring movie but I think I think I mentioned on the Rise of Skywalker episode is that like for me, like it's not just did I enjoy watching it, but how powerfully does something like linger in my memory? And there's a lot of stuff in Nosferatu that's just like hanging out in my brain, and everything mm. in that movie about like the Black Plague and stuff like that just like hangs out in my memory a lot. And so, yeah. even though I think it's a profoundly boring movie that I don't necessarily want to go watch on a nice thursday evening 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you checked the clock to see what day it was today, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I do... I, I know is like a favorite of mine. I like vampires. Vampires are fucking rad. Let me tell you about Klaus Kinski as a vampire. He looks so fucking weird. I hope so. Uh, <sighs> what else did we... We watched a movie recently, right? We did. Let me pull up the spreadsheet here. We got a spreadsheet. We were... Uh, Ghost in the Shell, Stroshack, um, Dragon Ball Z, Dead Zone, I'm Night Film, which I just finished today. Uh, Night Film is another thing that I just think like everybody should read. I think it's just a good... If you like... It's like murder mystery. It's really good. I thought about having like a little bit of a spoiler discussion on Night Film, but I've already done Stroshack, which is like a book, a movie you haven't seen, so I'm not going to also talk about a book you haven't read. Eh, it's whatever. The things that I've been doing are that don't involve you have been mostly just reading poetry. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm reading right now is called Lord of the Butterflies by Andrea Gibson. Uh, it's very good, very heavy. I'm having a hard time getting through it because usually I just consume, and this one is like really heavy, so I have to like take a minute every now and then. Mm-hmm. One of the first ones is a like two or three page long poem about the Pulse shooting from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the space that that uh, this person is working in right i do not know pronouns at this time mm-hmm. i will look up the twitter account <laughs> and find them at some point um uh it's just it's fucking great like um that's the of all the poetry you've been reading the two amanda lovelace books uh you got yesterday and this one are the ones i'm most interested in reading the amanda lovelace ones were good it was weird it was very much like uh, very similar to some of the ways that i have written poetry but they were about things that i have never and could never experience which is a weird mm-hmm. thing to, to 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 look at that being um abusive boyfriend which i've never had a boyfriend uh, and never been abused in this specific way. And uh, abusive parents. I just don't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I can't tell if you're doing a bit. I'm doing a little bit of a bit. I don't know. Do I, I don't know that I really need to talk about my mom on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll, we'll keep chugging along. We also watched them up at Christmas Carol. Do we have anything to say about that? Uh, that one guy's hot in that one scene, but then later on he's not as hot. Um... That's a really endearing movie. Sure. What else? That's kind of everything we've been up we to. Don't, I just looked at the spreadsheet. That's kind of everything we've been up to. Ghost in the Shell. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. We don't need to, like, keep everyone up to date on all the stuff we're doing, but... Yeah, no. I just was trying to think about, like, is there anything I want to talk about? I read Tombs of Atuan, which is, like, a great book, uh, but I imagine <laughs> my big, like... If I ever end up do talking about Earthsea a lot on a podcast, it's either going to be like in Aeroplane when we get to the Earthsea movie or like you're going to read one of these books and mm-hmm. I'll just talk about it with you. I plan on it. I just, it is difficult to get into a like book for me and like, especially when I'm trying to finish Splinter, I'm I'm resorting to reading all this poetry and that is kind of space that my brain is working at right now yeah i'm just very depressed 
it is just hard to get out of bed some days, you know? And mm. so, like, reading a book that is one thing for a long time, as opposed to a bunch of little things, mm. it's just extremely difficult at the moment. Yeah, I don't expect... I think you would like it based on... Yeah, uh, I, I do too. And maybe this is where I get into audiobooks. Maybe this is where I also join you on the audiobook train. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give you my login for my Audible if you want. Um, yeah. I, I think I mentioned this on my block Twitter. Uh, the narrator for the Earthsea, I believe he... I know he at least did the first three. He might have done the first four. Um... The narrator for the first three Earthsea books is Rob Inglis. They change narrators later on. Um, and uh, as far as I can tell, Rob Inglis only ever recorded seven audiobooks. Um, the first three Earthsea books, um, The Hobbit, and then the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so for years, Lord of the Rings has been like this white whale for me <laughs> a little bit of like, because I don't like the movie Fellowship of the Ring... Like, okay, I watched it with you, and I like it better now. Yes. I still don't like it. Well, we'll get to the second one, which is the best one. I do remember kind of liking Return of the King. Yeah. I've never seen yeah. Two Towers. I've seen Fellowship a couple times. I saw Return of the King on TV once. Oh, so you didn't see Return of the King. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I saw some stuff in Return of the King that I liked better than anything I had seen in Fellowship. I have not seen one frame of two towers well i think that's a really (sighs) two towers is interesting on a lot of levels because of like the it and fellowship just sort of like there's a lot of helms deeps out there right there's a lot of helms deeps out there (laughs) right um and like i know nothing about that book except that helms deep is just like replicated ad nauseum in the intro to fellowship that scene as well the army scenes yeah are just like yeah for sure very influential it seems on like bad movies (laughs) yeah um aragon so desperately wanted to be a, a another fellowship and it just wasn't it was weirdly homoerotic but like you know um uh but that was like before we realized that all three of those characters were related Mm-hmm. Because those books hadn't been written yet. Anyway, I really want to reread Aragon. Um, we said we would last year, and we, we said, didn't, so we will simply do it this year. Sure. Yeah. Um, something, some little like, little palate cleanser in between Star Wars books is Aragon. Definitely not a Star Wars book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, they wait, literally wait. have the sunset scene from in the movie where he looks off into the sunset like Luke Skywalker. Um, oh, but just to finish what I was saying, Rob Inglis narrated uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and I have just, on the two Earthsea books I've listened to, have just been totally enraptured by, like, everything he's done. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's interesting because Night Film, which I just finished today, I was listening to at, like, 2.25 speed by the end, you know, because I was just, like, going faster, going faster, and I could keep up. Inglis, like, talks in such a manner that I actually can only listen to it at normal speed. And I I really like that. He, like, the way he narrates the book, 
slows things down and makes me like appreciate the moment that I am in. Um, like when you put audiobooks on your speaker, mm-hmm. fucking cannot understand it at all. Mm-hmm. Like not because of the speed, just that speaker. It just it is literal. <laughs> garbage noise the weird i cannot understand anything out of that speaker that that speaker i have works good for music i think there's something weird on the eq where like spoken word like comes through really bad because i have the same it it really does yes the situation (laughs) it really does sound like that because i feel like i feel like i have an easier time listening to podcasts and audiobooks by just playing it out of my phone and not the Bluetooth speaker. Um, so yeah, I'm. I have acquired Lord of the Rings audiobooks, and I'm gonna start picking away at those. Probably gonna do Mistborn first. I'm in a weird predicament where I've got. I got Mistborn, Stormlight. Chronicles of Perdane. Mm-hmm. I downloaded all the Redwall audiobooks. That's just a lot of good books. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I got five fantasy series mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to start picking away at. Well, good news for you. Mm-hmm. Perdane, super fucking short. Yes. It's just complete, like, Emperor's Soul length. Yeah. I think. Well, the, the thing that, the thing though is that for Dane, um, I bought, you can buy the Book of Three, which is the first book, mm-hmm. and whatever the second book is called. Like, you the can Black buy the Cauldron. first two books. Oh, you can buy Book of Three and the Black Cauldron as one thing. So I have a single 10-hour audiobook. But Emperor's Soul is four and a half hours, I think. So you're right that each book is, like, very, like, Emperor's Soul, very short. So I definitely can, like, knock out the Chronicles of Dane in pretty short order. I'm just, like... The reason I read Night Film is that I've got these, like, five fantasy series, plus Earthsea, so six, but Earthsea is also a series where, like, because of the way Le Guin wrote those, I'm fine. I just read Tombs of Atuan. I don't expect to get to the farthest shore for at least six months, you know? Oh, okay. Which is, Until I start reading Earthsea in three months, and then you're like, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll close this out. Right. Um, it, I, I probably took six months between the... Between uh, the first book in Tombs of Atuan, um, I'll probably take some, like, it's a series, but it's not like, like, she wrote a book, and then a year later was thinking about that setting more, and decided to write Tombs of Atuan, because she wanted to do more in that setting, and then, like, two years after that was like, you know what, I think maybe I have another Earthsea book, and then I think after the third one, she took, like, a 15-year break or something, before she had another one. And then wrote one last one, like, shortly before she passed away, I think. I think that's how that goes. Like. I'm interested to get to that. It'll happen soon-ish, I guess, but, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to read more books. I want to read more books. I want to figure out my way of reading books. That might be just buying a physical book. It might, I might need that. I don't know. All my poetry I've been reading is that, and that might be, like, what I have to do. Like, I might have to forego e-books. Yeah. And audiobooks and have a physical book. That might be the thing I need. Yeah. I don't know. Because like, that's what I did growing up, obviously. I I mean, like, I've just... I read physical books growing up. Um, I've read a handful of e-books in my life. Like, I read um, The Lamb Will Slaughter the Lion. 
uh, on ebook. I would love a, I would love a physical copy of that. I would love a physical copy of that. I like that book so much and was so dismayed by it not having an audiobook. So it was tremendously difficult for me to get through. Mm-hmm. But it only being a hundred pages helped a great deal. But I haven't I haven't read The Barrel Will Send What It May because of that. Um, but I was I, I felt so strongly about this that I keep thinking about emailing Margaret Kiljoy and just asking like, do you want me to record an audiobook? <laughs> like I would love mm-hmm. to I would love to do that for your work. Like your work means a lot to me. And I would like for an audiobook to exist. And, mm-hmm. like, it's only 100 pages. If I suck at reading audiobooks, like, it's not going to be, like, disastrous. That book's great. That book's great. I want to get a tattoo based on it. Me too. Um, the other thing I was going to say, I want to read more books. Uh, I might need a physical book to do it, which will make Star Wars very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those, and they're all in very hard, bad to hold size paperbacks, where they're like thick and small, which I don't really like. Oh that yeah, much. yeah, yeah. I had those for the for the couple of Drizzt books I mm-hmm. had, and I think those Drizzt books like honestly turned me off because I used to read a lot of paperbacks as a kid, and I think those Drizzt books like the form factor on them like, mm-hmm. turned me off of. Uh, that I also read Les Mis, uh, or at least a lot of Les Mis in a format like that when I was like thirteen. Yeah. Uh, I think I read an abridged copy, um, but I think I read about three quarters of Les Mis in like that that R. A. Salvatore drizzed like real yeah. small thick friend. Mm-hmm. Like okay. here's the thing: I think tabletop games should adopt that form factor. That would be cool. Yeah, there should be more. You know, five and a half by eight and a half hardcover books hmm. that are tabletop games, like like around the blades in the dark size, but maybe a little smaller. If I had my way, all books would be hardcover and also cheap. That would be that's like the ideal. Let me let me one up you. Mm-hmm. It's free literature. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like reading hardcovers better, but also. I don't like hardcovers with jackets. I want a hardcover that does not have a jacket. That's my mm-hmm. ideal physical book. But I don't even read... I can't read like that these days. I used to be able to... Uh, oh, what I was going to say is I read all of Game of Thrones in physical books. Some of which were the big, thick friends. Um, and I read Stormlight physically as well. Mm. Mistborn, for whatever reason, I've always read on on my phone... And mm. it just worked fine. Um, if it's so weird. Like, I bought the Mistborn trilogy as small paperbacks. And it's so weird to look at that text on a page. I don't know why that one specifically is. Huh. It just doesn't work, but... Um, oh, I remember the thing I wanted to say, which is... Uh, part of the reason I read Night Film is because I have, like, these five... Um, fantasy series like these all these fantasy books i'm juggling and i just went in i went in the abnormal mapping discord and asked for just like non-science fiction fantasy recommendations uh and m gave me some uh i just trust m absolutely 100 percent in all media recommendation things <laughs> i just like i just think m just has the good taste and i will just listen to whatever they want to recommend and i remember i remember actually um 
Night Film got recommended to me when it came out as like, do you like Welcome to Night Vale? You should try Night Film, which I do actually, I see that, um, and I feel like I am doing a great discredit to Night Film by saying that, but I do think that if you like Night Vale, you'll probably like Night Film. I never did finish that Alice Isn't Dead book. Um, it, was a, it was such a weird pacing. I want to go... I'm going to get to this. I'm going to circle back in just a sec. Uh, the the thing... I Reading Night Film reminded me that Gone Girl is another of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And so I want to read more murder mysteries. And if people have murder mysteries to recommend to me, send them my way. I read And Then There Were None recently. Or no, 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 not that one. I read uh, Murder on the Orient Express recently. I liked that. That was fine. I read that in like a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if I've ever read any. I don't think I really have. I like Gone Girl. <clears throat> My I favorite liked... murder mystery is that one episode of Sword Art Online where they have to figure out how that person was killed inside of a town because the mechanics of the game prevent that from being possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know, a series of unfortunate events? Mm-hmm. One, I'm thinking about... Ooh. Reading those because Tim Curry does the audiobooks. Um, you know, there's only 13 of those, but they're very short. You know, there's 12 months in a year, and there's 13 books. And <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just, um, I'm just thinking aloud. I'm just saying words out loud. Is all the Lemony Snicket after he did um, series of unfortunate events has a book of like murder mysteries or not even detective novels i don't think they're murder mysteries but detective novels for kids um and i read the first two of those they're just utterly delightful little books just like (laughs) because they're just like he's just a good fun writer to read especially in mysteries yeah what your feelings about the last series of unfortunate events book aside um I, I don't know that it was a very good... Uh, like, I, I never finished reading this. I know a lot of people weren't that thrilled with the summation of all of the mystery of that series being resolved. But uh, but, he, but the, these ones, um, the, the name of which is escaping me, but I read the first two, and it, it's just, like, it's essentially just, like, noir detective, <coughs> like... Philip Marlowe uh, books. It's the exact same thing that J.K. Rowling is trying and failing to write because she's a turf. Uh, and it's just for the the thing that's actually great about it is just that that exact type of book, but for ten year olds, <laughs> which just mm-hmm. like makes it just like so easy to just chop it up. Like I read both those books in like three days, um, and they're pretty satisfying little mysteries. There's a lot of, like, fun quirkiness. Like, I, I, I read these books when I was in high school. Like, it's been several years since I visited those books, but they stick out in my memory a lot of the time mm-hmm. as very good books. This this desire for more murder mysteries and not really knowing what I'm doing is why I have several times almost purchased those uh, J.K. Rowling turf novels, but I've now, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I need ZC and Liz to talk about those. Yeah. I need ZC and Liz to talk about them so that I can know them and know what they are and but not have to deal with it. Yeah. 
Um, we've been podcasting for a little while. Yeah, a little bit. You feel like, it sounds like you're getting a little tired. I have to work at 5 in the morning. I've been tired this whole time. <laughs> I did it 35 minutes ago. Got tired. <laughs> um, yeah, new year. New year. We're here. I feel energized. I just, it's just nice to do just like a discussion podcast. December was so dominated by topics and it just feels nice to just be like, oh, I'm just reading some books. Watching some movies. Yeah, I feel like I didn't have much to say this week. Drug. I feel like I, I feel like I talked so much that like we're fine. Like I. Nah, like no, no, you did talk a lot this time. I just didn't feel like I had much to say this this recording. I'm sorry. No, I'm not criticizing yeah. you. No, I know you're not criticizing me. I just like. I don't know. I don't know. 2020 is the year I I learn how to do criticism. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. Um, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora or at Zoetics. That's X O E T I C S. You can find me on Medium at medium.com slash at Nora F Blake and medium.com slash at Zoe Mars, X O E M A R S. You can find me on itch. I sell games that I've written at neithernora.itch.io and uh, I sell a poetry zine that I made at dragonflower-press.itch.io and I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash norablake where you can gain you can just pay me and then you get all my games that I've written You find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee I kind of talked about all my projects way earlier in the podcast just because it's like I just felt so after December being, like, so weird, I felt like a drift in my sea of podcasts, and I'm glad I got it all straightened out. Look forward to Ocean Waves and Titans and uh, Apocalypse and everything. Yeah. I want to do more stuff. Uh, it's hard to do things, uh, but I would like to do more stuff. I, I'm writing more poetry, and that's fun. Um... Your poetry is really good. I don't know about that. Your poetry is extremely good. You are in love with me. I also think your poetry is great. How much poetry do you read that's not mine? Very little. Well, there you go. Remember that time I wrote, like, one poetry zine and then it's have really never good. done anything creative since? You have a pod- You have multiple podcasts. Criticism is creativity. I know. I just don't write anymore. I, do, I, I say anymore. I feel like I've never really been a, much of a writer. But You wrote I, those things that people liked about music? Yeah. And you liked writing them? I've written, like, a handful of, like, video game blogs and music blogs. And mm-hmm. I just feel... I don't know. I want to say 2020, I want to write more, but I'm not even sure that's true. Do you want to feel like you've written more? Maybe. I don't know what I want. We're getting a little existential on the podcast. Maybe we should wrap it. I don't know what I... I You ever wonder why we're here? What music should I put on this episode? Ghost in the Shell music? No, Akira music. Hell yeah, I should put some Akira music on here. Alright. Keep it flamey, everybody. What?
is my podcast now because I'm right in front of the microphone. Podcast. 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 You're so much closer to the microphone than I am. <laughs> I think we're probably still at an equal volume. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> we just talked about and this. I had to get up and put cardboard under your dainty little princess chair. Thank you. Fucking princess and the pea over here. Thank you. You love me. I'm adorable. Podcast? Podcast. 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 I'm going to look up what episode number it is, and then I'm going to do the intro. I think this is 82. I think we just did 82, and it was the holiday special. I think everyone should be nice to me. Everyone's being very mean to me about my post on Twitter. What What post did you do on Twitter? About Marvel Hornets. Oh. (laughs) One person was mean to you. We're not keeping any of this, right? Oh, this is all just going to go after the credits music. Like this will, this bit will just go at the at the end. We've we've done eighty three episodes of Export Audio. Hmm. You know what that means? It means we have to start thinking about what our hundred is. <laughs> Besides that, uh, th- this is eighty four. <laughs>